due to recent setbacks, the light at the end of the tunnel has been switched off. <laughs> and you know, I believe God's people should be the people with the most hope on the planet. He who has the most hope has the most influence. And who God is to us is who God will be through us. So if we believe that everything is just getting worse and worse and worse, and that we are getting worse and worse and worse, then that is the message that we, the church, the hope of the nations, will reflect to a world that doesn't have an answer. You know, sometimes I think our face is our grade. I say in men's, in marriage conferences or men's conferences, men, your wife, your, your wife's face is your grade because the Bible says in Ephesians 5 that, that God is making the church, his bride, radiant. Everyone say radiant. So the church, the bride, should be glowing, right? Should be happy. Smile fee. <laughs> but I believe if we've had, he who has the most hope has the most influence. If we've seen something that gives us hope, then it will be reflected on our face. That doesn't mean that we're just living, going around pretending to be happy. I'm talking about something deep on the inside of us. Happiness comes from happenings, but joy comes from deep inside. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So you ready for tonight? All right, I'm going to ask you some questions. Well, actually, I'm going to let, I'll give you one way out, okay, before I ask you questions. Do you have any questions for me? Okay, great. So I'm going to ask you some questions. No, does anybody have any questions? Anything about church life? You know, um, there's no silly questions or bad. Well, there are some silly questions. But <laughs> um, I, like, where did Adam find his wife? I don't know. I found mine here on a Sunday morning in the middle of a meeting. So there's certain questions I don't know. The silly questions. All right. Um, did Adam, Adam and Eve have belly buttons? I don't know the answer to those things. Okay. But do you have any questions about church life? <laughs> Some of you are like, that's a really good question. <laughs> you did, but now you don't? <laughs> okay. Any other questions? Just anything at all. I, I do believe you have questions, but it's just such a broad statement to say any question at all. Um, people don't really know how to answer it. So let me ask you some questions. I'm going to ask you 10 questions tonight. Okay. Are you okay with this? Listen, if you, don't want to, if you don't want to interact, you're like, I didn't think it was going to be like this, then I'm not going to embarrass you, okay? <laughs> I don't promise, but I won't. Okay. Ten questions. Question number one. What is our greatest strength as a church right now? Good answer, Bob. The answer is Jesus. Yeah. Okay, come on. When you look at our, this is okay. This is not a trick question. Okay, I'm not going to trip you up. No, there's not. There's not one answer. But you will have an opinion. You'll have a perspective. And I would like to know, Varsity Church, what is our greatest strength as a church right now? Paul diversity excellent great hands up if you agree with that 
Our greatest strength is diversity. We're not going to have a vote whether or not you agree. This is Paul's, Paul's opinion. It's great. Diversity. Okay, what else? Freedom of the Holy Spirit. That's really it. What's your name? Nikki. Nikki, just give us a little snapshot of what you mean by that. I think that's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, because non-believers can be put off, whereas I feel like you and people are learning to really explain that well. Like you're saying with the, the 10 o'clock service, you're like saying, don't worry, it just, the spirit just falls on flesh. You know, so it, it is bridging that gap between people that, like you're saying, just want to go deeper, just want more of him, want to grow in that. But we've got the balance as well, like you were saying last night. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Great. Thanks, Nicky. That was a good answer, wasn't it? Yes. Um, giving the... Wow, that's loud. <laughs> giving the glory to God in worship. Giving yeah. glory to God yes. in worship. And worship being... Because Bill Johnson says that worship is, is the only part of the service that's for God. I feel like we're very good at that. I just... Yeah, praising Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Really good. Excellent. Yeah, worship. Our worship doesn't equal music. But the worship that we do corporately with drums and electric guitars isn't a warm-up for the preach. <laughs> it's actually the most important part of the meeting. In fact, it's the only part of the meeting that is actually just for God. <laughs> Excellent. Really good answers. Anybody over here? Yes. Do you mind? Just for the tape, could you mind? Um, could you mind, you mind? I don't know if you'll go this far here. Um. When we come together for meetings, I just feel the presence of God, and that is a huge strength for us, the presence of God when we come together. The presence of God, isn't it? God being present. If God's not present, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Wonderful, isn't it? Amen. Janet, do you mind coming up to the front, Janet? I'm lulling you all into this false sense of security, and now you actually have to come to the front. I like it that we're not lukewarm. We're on fire for God. When I see us at the six, everybody's out there worshipping and just really drinking in God's presence and the word, because it's got to be both, isn't it? Very good. We are not a lukewarm church. Hands of you believe we're not a lukewarm church. That's good. Yeah, excellent. Good. Anybody else? James. Um, yeah, I think the, the fact that you've taken time to establish culture and values, culture is like a river that we flow in, um, and I just, I think you've been very intentional about that, and the people here are the ones who've locked into that vision and are willing to follow it. Yeah. Very good. Culture is so important. It's the way that we do life. It's, you know... Um, and we create and culture takes time to change. You can't just, it's not just a teaching. It's a way of life. It's a way of thinking. It's a way we interact. So it's, it's culture takes a time to change. I just want to say this. I do believe that um, every family has a different culture, like tradition. And this particular church family, um, in its DNA, has certain kingdom cultures, um, which... We are just polishing again and allowing to come to the surface and, and find their place in the way that we do life together. Yeah. Amen. Good. Yes. One more. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it really is. 
reaching out. Yep. Did you say to the needy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's really good, though, reaching out to the weak and the needy students. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good, too. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Hands up if you've been to the six. Um, keep your hand up if you think the six is different to the ten. Okay, why? Because it's a six. Because we're more awake. <laughs> okay, why? Remember, hey, just let me tell you again. These are not trick questions. Okay, I'm not. I'm not backing anyone to a corner. They're just. I just want to get a discussion going. Yes. It's deeper. Okay. Can you explain? Name me. Just expound on that a little bit. What? What? How is it deeper? Mm. Mm. Great, but not in the morning. Thanks very much. Okay. <laughs> in the morning, I think like you just—I don't know—it's like a microwave meal. I mean, it's all right. It's just not been—you didn't really give it much thought preparing it. It's like I'm totally kidding. It was like leftovers from last week. It's just—it's okay. <laughs> so that's the difference between the ten and the six. Okay. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. Absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not just about drinking from the front. We're all kind of in the same boat to share and need at the six. It's just my my. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I just say that I, I totally agree I do think it is deeper in the evening and there's reasons for that and it's not a right or a wrong if you think about um, uh, in the morning there's a lot going on the dynamics of the meeting there's lots of different kinds of people there's people that have not, are not actually a part of the church they're just visiting there's people who um, who are, are, are dealing with young children and babies and there's programs and so there's a lot more um, variety of people um, coming in in the mornings and I think as well this is just an observation that by tradition we go to church on a Sunday morning and so for some people hey I'm just going to go to church because I want to go to church I like going to church my friends go to church I like hearing the word of God I like um, worshiping but in the evening there is a more of a you know, for many people they're going back for the second time <laughs> and there is a hunger you know and there's a cost with that as well and you know you get the most out of that which you what you pay for you get the most out of that which you honor so there is a sense okay where the hunger level is, is deeper, it's more intense, fire falls on sacrifice, and in Acts, when they were together in one place, and they came to the same temperature, they came to that unity, that's when the subtleties of God happen. So I totally agree, in the evening, it, there is a, a deeper sense of, hey, I mean, we're going to meet with God, I met with God this morning, but now, tonight, I'm coming back, and it's, there is a different dynamic. Yep, really good. Phew, I like you. You can come teach. 
Yeah. 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 Sure. So time is another factor. Really, no, really good point. Really good point. Good. Anybody else? Yes. Jeff. Here. I keep forgetting, but if the tape will just go quiet. I feel that Rebecca, from the early stage in the evening meeting, cultivated a sensitivity in worship. Good, good, good. All right. Shall we move on? Question number two. Thank you, Morris, for keeping us on track. <laughs> Question number two. <laughs> you're, are you good at math? You're good with finances. Like you're doing the math thinking, okay, we're on question number two, and it's gone past eight o'clock. And so, you, yeah, you're good. That's good. Okay, here, ready, Morris? Question number two. Question number two is, what is the greatest weakness of the church right now okay question number one was what is our greatest strength question number two is what is our greatest weakness okay there's no right or wrong answer everybody has a different perspective everybody has a different opinion somebody who hasn't spoken yet you can go first <laughs> everyone's like shall i say it is everybody thinking it? Maybe it's just me. No, just you can, you can say it. Come on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We haven't been here that long, but I think if just from speaking to people and, and observation, I think community and really f feeling known is maybe a weakness. And um, just a few people I've spoken to just say, oh, I'm feeling lonely today. So I thought that's really interesting. And Janine, how long have you been back? Five months. James and Janine, those who don't know, they, uh, James grew up in the church here. And, um, and James and Janine, you got, you got married in the church here, didn't you? Yeah, got married. No? You met in the church here? Yeah. Okay. Um, so they're coming back. So it's an inter interesting observation. <laughs> so, they're, they're, so just to reiterate, is that people um, may feel a sense of disconnection, loneliness, um, is it, hands up if you would agree with that in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Okay. Well, why didn't you say so then? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, let's unpack this a bit. Okay. Hands up if you would, if you would say that is that you agree that's the greatest weakness right now. Just put your hand up. Okay. A few of you. <laughs> Steve? You would? Yeah. Do you mind just speaking it here to Steve? I think it is a major weakness. Um, and um, having sort of been involved in small groups for um, a number of iterations over the decades here, um, it, it's been very hard to keep it going. Um, and uh, we live in a very secular culture, and our, and our lives um, uh, do not. Um, uh, reflect um, a, dare I say, a biblical culture in a lot of what we do. And I'll put the cat amongst the pigeons there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Go on, Morris. 
I think that to a certain extent, uh, what we are seeing as weakness and loneliness is actually because, as you said earlier, there is such a variety of people on a Sunday morning. This is, this is really good. I love these. I love this. This is great. This is, is this okay? Can we carry on? So, let me ask you a question. If one of the reasons that people feel lonely or disconnected or a, a lack of sense of family, if the reason or a reason is because there's a lot of different, different types of people and there's a lot going on, then is it impossible to find that place of connection and family and unity in a big church? Is it impossible? Okay. So if it's not impossible, then what is the answer? Small groups? Okay. Yeah. James? I do think we need a shift in priorities. It's like if we're really seeking the kingdom first, then we actually we need to shift things in our lives that are distractions, that are actually taking us away from building kingdom. And so if we're spending five nights of the week in watching Netflix, then I would say that we might need a change of priorities. Oh, and that's... Deeper. Sorry, Hannah. <laughs> but I think it's a big key. Very good. Obviously, James is not talking to us because we're all here. <laughs> I always think it's funny when pastors tell people off for not coming to church, but they're talking to the people who are there. Anyway, <laughs> really good, James. Yes. Lisa? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Excellent. Yes, Lisa, you really should have come out. There's a big space now. Can I just say what you said, but make it up and rechange it into my own words? So that's what I think. No, come on, Lisa, come and say that really quick. Come on, Lisa. Lisa. <laughs> oh, you got some fans here, Lisa. I think we have a responsibility as Christians to love well, and that means all that we do in the secret place and in our devotions, um, so that when we come together, we are loving the brethren well, sacrificially and in every way. Um, and if we're not doing that, then we're going to have a fragmented community when we get together. So we ourselves, personally, need to be loving well and to be focused on what God means, what that means to God for each one of us. Excellent. Really good. Very good. Somebody who hasn't said anything. Yes, Alison. Um, we're, the, the, the Bible tells us that the, um, the body is nourished from the head, but through all the joints and ligaments. And I think we need to know just where which joints and ligaments we are attached to others through. For instance, my toe is not connected to my finger, 
but my toe is connected to the rest of my foot. And if we all know our place, that God has placed us in the body, as to you know where the ligaments and joints from us should be connected, then that will be a, a way of, of just making sure that everyone is included and the body will grow. So I was going to say, I think there's something about involving God in this as well, because actually I've been here about, <laughs> is that an idea in a church maybe? Um, so I've been here about coming up six months now, and actually I genuinely wouldn't have stuck this out if I hadn't have walked in on my first morning, and it might have even been Sue on teas and coffees that morning, and she said to me, oh, what do you do for a living? And I was like, oh, I'm a social worker. And she said to me, oh, do you know SJ, and do you know Ruth? And, and, and I was like, yeah, actually, I do. And in walked SJ, and there was, I, I didn't think I knew anyone in this church when I walked in to try it, but actually, there were people here who I already knew, and that is the reason why I've stuck out and I've been able to get involved in other things. And I am starting to get to know people slowly, and I am still here, and I'm here this evening. But actually, when we talk about connection and things, I do still come on a Sunday morning and look at all the people and go, ah. <laughs> But actually, I am starting to get to know people and I am still here. And actually, when we think about that, it is about remembering that sometimes we're placed in places for a reason. And actually, when we're thinking about that, it's thinking about well, what is God doing in making those connections? And when we're thinking about small groups and thinking about how we connect in church, what are we doing and what are we asking God to do in that as well? Brilliant. So good. Thank you so much. Excellent. Yep. Just somebody who hasn't... Yes. Do you mind coming out? I'm sorry. Come on, Wendy. You've got lots of fans here. You're going to be fine. It's a bit scary. I think sometimes our connections are related to the age that we are. Yeah. So I think that my experience, I've been here a little while, is that um, I'm connected to the people that have got a similar age and have got kids a similar age. But I think it's really, really good to be connected with people that you know, are younger, but also people that are older, because we can yeah, learn so much that's more. Family, isn't it? Yep. And yeah, and that's what family is. But I don't think that we're kind of necessarily there because it's really easy at the moment to like stick to your community or the people that are you've connected with and sort of go with them rather than expand out. And I think the way we sit in the auditorium. Yeah. Doesn't help, is it? No. In lines. <laughs> yes, that's really, really good. Very well said. Really, really good. Yeah, uh, it's so true. The gathering on a Sunday is not really conducive to family because the building is built for a performance and a presentation and a theatre and a show. So you're coming. You're you're actually sitting like a spect as a spectator. And the room was designed for that. doesn't help. That's why we have to work against that. That's why we have a thing. Uh, you may not hear it said this like this, but after the first song, we do a thing called unlock. That's the language. So after the first song, Andy did it on Sunday. He unlocked and he said, hey, um, it was the first Sunday on, which is more of a, um, an outreach Sunday. But um, on most Sundays, um, when we unlock, we ask people, if you're on the end of an aisle, to move out to allow people to get out of their seats and rows to come down to the front so that we can worship. That's one thing we do. Another thing we do um, is I'll normally do this before I start speaking, if I'm speaking, and just have everybody go and say hi to someone. 
and it causes and it's hard to rein it back in. Um, but it's, to me, it's really important because we're not here just for a performance when now we're going to hear the word. It's like, hey, we're a family. And so we have things that do work against us, like the building. We just have to work hard. Um, it's not the building's fault. We just need to work hard to overcome some of those challenges. You are just ready to go, aren't you? <laughs> I just want to encu- like <laughs> I just want to encourage. Can I encourage you? I was just going to say, like, I've met like so many amazing people just through actually just you just saying say hi, and I purposefully picked someone like two rows down or something like that, and they don't really see me coming. I just sort of swoop in. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I do, like a gazelle. But yeah, no, I've met so many amazing people through that, so I just want to say that's really, really good. And I bet, like, everyone here can also just, like, reiterate, they've bumped into people they'd never speak to, like, in completely different different age groups as well, so, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, we, we do need... Life groups is so important um, because it's, it's a, a structure. You know, structure's not a bad thing. Organisation isn't a bad thing. As Alison said, God has set the body up very well organized so that it functions. Um, and so having life groups which make sense, whether they're by um, location or geographical um, situations around the cities or around this city. But I think I would just say also, I think, you know, the word in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, then to fellowship. Everyone say fellowship. It's a Greek word, koinonia, which just means to share life. To share life. And some people are really very good at that. It's like they're just good at connecting with people. They're good at being friendly. They're good at saying hi. They're good at jumping over the chairs to say hi to someone they've never met. Other people, that just doesn't come naturally to, to them. And, you know, that's okay. That's okay. If you, some people are just naturally shy. They don't really know. They feel lonely. And I think we have a responsibility um, God, the Bible says, he puts, sets the lonely in families. So when people come and they feel lonely, <clears throat> um, that God's family surround them. And so we need to do that by design, life groups, but we also need to do it organically and pursue one another. If you're a pursuer of people, um, go, go, and, go and pursue them. Jump over the chairs. But have people over for, for dinner. Invite people out. Invite people for a coffee. Um, um, but... I'll say this, it's not impossible. It's absolutely possible because God is a father of a family and we're, we're his kids and uh, we need to learn how to do it. But no one metaphor is big enough to describe the church. One minute it's a vine, then it's a bride, then it's an army, then it's a body, then it's a house, and on and on it goes. <laughs> so there's so many metaphors to, to, that the Bible uses to explain this awesome thing called the church. <laughs> Amen? Really good. What, is there one more or shall I move on? More? Yes, Peter. I'm going to go at a bit of a tangent, but I was just, it was a couple of things that are on my mind that I think should be part of the church culture. I think they're touched on, but I don't think we really put enough importance to them. The first thing is our jobs. I think there is a sense which we keep talking about doing outreach. But isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing every day? Shouldn't we all be valuing where we are and seeing that that's the place where we need to make a difference? And it is the place where we're exposed. I think it's the place where sometimes we fall down, we do badly, but it's, it's how we respond and how we get on day to day. And I, I, I just feel we've touched on it, but I still don't think there's enough value placed on it. The second thing is something that's been on my heart and I think is on most of your hearts 
but only as you look at the news and you think that's dreadful what's happening in Syria, that's dreadful what's happening elsewhere, I am concerned what's happening in America. It's those, it's those sorts of issues, but I, I, I feel sometimes we're quite parochial as a church. We look at the immediate vicinity and at times we mention, oh, well, there's far out in the Philippines and we, we sort of acknowledge that or somebody else somewhere else. But to me, we need to have a world view. We need to be lifting the world up because they aren't doing it, really. They're putting their own agenda forward. And we need, to, of course, for each of us, there are going to be different areas in which God will cause it, call us to spend time and effort. But overall... I think we need to be lifting our own nation up. I don't think we should be pulling down our politicians. We need to be objective, but we should be praying that they would do what's best for this country, that we would have an open forum where the gospel is spread, and that is true here, and that's true in many Western nations, but in many parts of the world it isn't. There are many people who are suffering, and we see that in Syria and elsewhere, but there are many persecuted Christians and I wonder how often we lift those up and are even aware of the circumstance. I think we get, we get to the point where we feel we can't cope because there is so much hurt, there is so much hatred in the world, but isn't that what we're here for? So just a couple of thoughts. Peter, thank you. That's good. Good. Amen. Amen. Great. Yeah last week and a couple of a few weeks ago and I think that every week if I'm right that um, they pray for the persecuted church so there's you know and I think that was I was, thought that was really great well I went there the first time I thought that's great to do that for everybody to be so aware of what's happening worldwide as you're saying Peter but and then when I went again I thought oh they're doing it every time and I think that was just again that's kind of raising your consciousness isn't it which then prompts you other times to pray so it's just I didn't know whether you knew that but it's encouraging yeah 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 amen it's good very good anybody else thank you Pia say something Yes. Come on, Robin. Um, a couple of things, really. Uh, the first is if anyone who was at the family meeting a few weeks ago would have heard that money is an issue. I don't know that it's necessarily the biggest issue. And the second thing I would say is that communication is an issue. Again, it's not the biggest issue, but I've seen a few occasions where a message has been given out very clearly and for whatever reason, people just don't hear it. So I don't know what the problem is, but that's it. So, Robin, are you saying there is good communication, but people aren't listening properly? Or. Yeah. Very good. Did you have something to share there, Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I just say, as, as a pastor, right, 
um, perception is more real than reality. <laughs> and so I can stand here and become defensive and prickly and feel like the churches just don't understand. Or I can say, hey, listen, I'm listening. I'm listening. And I can stand and go, well, this, you, don't you know that here's all the answers and it's your fault? Or I can say, hey, whether it's true or not, the fact that you feel that way is real. You, you hear what I'm saying? So um, the first thing that God spoke to me when we came here was listen to the body. If your body, like Alison was talking about the body, if the body is hurt physically, the whole rest of the body compensates. And it tells you, tells your brain, I'm hurt. I just stood on a nail. <laughs> and so, and the body compensates. So, and, when, when, and you, if you ask, you know, I've done, I'll do this from time to time. To time. If, I, if I announced it, we're going to do a Q&A, then everybody would have been here with lots of questions and it would have been harder to interact. So thank you all for coming. <laughs> but, um, but listen to the body and you'll hear pain, excitement, hope, disappointment, loneliness, all kinds of things. Um, and that's okay, because that's real. I told my kids, hey, just stop crying. <laughs> just, well, much better to say, well, why are you crying? Let's get this, find out what's, maybe because you're crying because you're lonely. Maybe you're crying because you're angry. Maybe you just have a really bad attitude. Possible. <laughs> you, you, you follow? So the purpose of this, this is really helpful to me too, because I want to hear. And that's why you know, I'm not going to turn it back on you and say, well, how could you think that way? If people feel like, and I, and I would say, we, we do, um, you know, communication uh, is something we need to get better at. Um, but I, I, will, I, will, I will say a, a lot of that probably in the last six months is down to me personally. Um, and, and how, as I'm processing things of how I communicate that and who I communicate that to and when do I communicate it at the right time and all the rest of it and we are fast approaching and I'll, I'll comment on some of these things at the end and I will give an answer to some of them and just something to we can talk about and think about but Robin thank you really really good money communication excellent yes sir I just thought you were. I just thought you were really young. That was all. Um, but a, a personal challenge that I've been kind of processing recently that I just, I guess, I wanted to open up, and something I've been talking to about friends to hold me accountable to more recently is uh, working outside of what I might feel as my optimum functionality. So uh, we've got obvious giftings in certain areas, but actually, um, I want to get excited about going into the youth team and making them hot chocolates or kind of stepping out of things that, yes, if I spent 100% of my time there, I would feel most useful, maybe. But outside of that, I can still get involved in the welcome team and I can pick up litter and stuff like that and just kind of bridging gaps between ministry factions and creating links between uh, different parts of the church and the way it functions in order to not create um, separation between that, to have people that are in common with each other in the way in which they serve. Good. Thanks, Joel. Excellent. All right. I'm not going to comment on that right now. Um, should we move on? Morris is like, yes, please. <laughs> okay. Um, what would you like the church to look like one year from now? Let's give some popcorn answers. Just. 
popcorn like bang one thing everyone's like pop what's that james oh come on james said i'd like to see people lining up outside from early in the morning because of the presence of god that's a, a wonderful thing to think about what the church could look like one year from now anybody else yes people to know about church and have an excitement about it in our city and have a different perception of it not being religion and being relationship sorry that wasn't really good <laughs> no no that was good no you're okay <laughs> yeah yes can i just give you the mic thanks i'd like to see more sort of hanging around at the end of the meeting at the front it used to happen more so, especially as I'm, sometimes I'm in the team, the prayer team, and I can stand there for ages just looking up. And I feel that there's, you know, when someone does come down, it gives them a great opportunity to spill, you know, the beans, what's going on in their life. And it's a really good time for ministry and getting real with people. And um, I think we could be up here, well, I feel that, I'm missing an opportunity when I do get involved with some folk. I mean, they might be a bit odd-looking and this, that, and the other. But sit them down and give them 15 minutes of my attention. They can, they sort of go out radically changed. Maybe they come back again next week. But yeah, so more hanging around at the front at the end of the um, uh, lunch and um, month so. service. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to say I would like, want to see more um, miracles, more signs and wonders, and people, um, I'm saying about people knowing about Jesus and knowing about the church, but just that they expect to get a miracle if they come. Yeah. You can go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm really interested in seeing not necessarily a big church, but big ch big people within the church so people flourishing in their walk with the lord being whole in their triune being body soul mind and spirit being known being connected and i think out of that will be an overflow of just people being so attracted to what we carry as a church um i think <laughs> only like spoke three times um Maybe that's too much. Anyway, I was like, I um, wanted to say that I think it's really important, like, um, to train everyone up to be ministers, and for that, for that there's be more of an emphasis on um, the people who like everyone's in ministry. So it could be the person like in the row in front of you, or like a close friend. But if there's like a more of a um, congregational um, teaching of ministry, and actually that you don't have to necessarily go down to the front, but there's a minister sat beside you. Where we're all ministers in Christ, and also just off the cuff of, of, of um, I don't actually know your name. I'm sorry, but that off the cuff of um, yeah, um, what was previously said is actually just really pursuing wholeness and wholeness in Jesus. I was saying to my friend before I came here, like I, I personally just really want to know how I can take my um, feelings and my problems to God in a way that's whole and the way that's like. Um, uncorrupted if that makes sense that like, um, just a relationship with jesus like that is really um 
honest and integral and like the, the number one primary relationship in my whole life because also for, for well speaking from the student community there's such an emphasis on um, success and relationships like if you're not in a relationship or you're, or you're not married by a certain age or if you're not you haven't got a, a career as soon as you leave university then you haven't made it but actually the, the greatest success in your life is knowing Jesus you know um, so that's all I really have to say <laughs> Sorry, I'm just talking to you more than anything. I just wanted to say I love the way you touched. Um, we're talking about ministry because it was actually in response to what Peter said about the the difference between the secular and the sacred divide. You know, when people come into the church, whether you're a doctor, a physiotherapist, student, you kind of take that hat off, and you kind of come in thinking, "Oh, I'm just going to receive," rather than thinking, "I'm a minister within my own right," and just because I'm not up at the front. So, yeah, a good answer to Peter's comment. I'd like to see um, more people out in the church go out into the marketplace and talk about Jesus. I go out twice a month with some evangelists and we actually sing in the Abbey Square songs, we preach the gospel and we talk about Jesus and it is exhilarating and I just, we need to get out and any form of mission, whatever, whatever it, shape it takes, I just like to see us going out. Um, I, 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 I'd like to. Yes, I am. Um, I'd like to see that there is absolutely no area of serving within the church that is ever short of people, because that every area is almost we've got too many people wanting to serve than there's room for people to turn around. So. I love it. This is great, guys. I love this. This is so good. Whew. Just, um, just by way of announcement, I don't want uh, is. Have you guys heard what's happening in Reading, UK? Yes. Yeah, amazing. Um, it's like hundreds of people being saved. On the, is it thousands now? And so... Yeah. Do, do you know the, the pastor of the church um, is a man named Yinka. And Yinka is coming here next Sunday to preach. Isn't that exciting? That's really exciting. Like, that's really cool. Like, really, really cool. So, um, I'm praying this week. I'm pulling aside lots of time to pray. I woke up the other, I, I woke up the other morning, and the, the Holy Spirit woke me up and said, these were, be careful. Be careful how you build. And right as I, and I got up and I went downstairs and I said, Lord, what are you saying? And I just, the Holy Spirit just touched me with that word, and I started to do a Bible study on, for me personally, on, on, on being full of care. Be careful how you live. Be careful. Watch your life and doctrine carefully. Be careful how you build. Be careful. Be full of care and the decisions that you make right now. We're in a really sensitive time as a church. Decisions that we make, micro decisions have macro consequences. The little decisions that we make right now will have a massive effect on the future of this church and, as, and the future as, as, as a, <coughs> excuse me, as a church family. But I absolutely agree. 
the church needs to be activated and stirred again. Mark McNabjack spoke on last Sunday night. Um, I, have, I met him this morning. <laughs> you know, Mark said, uh, I was on the bus from Pease Down St. John this morning, just coming in, and everybody's just really quiet. And it's like this 25 minutes that you have of just people sitting on a bus. And uh, he thought, why is it no one talks to anybody on the bus? So I just went and started talking to this lady. I just, I said, he said, hey, how you doing? She's like, uh, good. And he said, the love of God just broke for this lady. And I began to talk to her. And she just said, started to tell me about her life. And she started to tell me of what was going on. And, and, her, and her daughter. And, and, and she was a grandma. And she was on her way to court. And Mark's just welling up for this lady on the bus this morning from Bees Down St. John. Like, and he, when he got there, he said, could I walk with you to, to the to the courts this morning and he walked her to the court this morning and I said Mark, Mark you're, like a, you're like a bus pastor you're going to be on all the buses in the morning like just morning everybody just uh, let's Jim how are you doing today you ready for your day's work I want you going here what you going there you're on the way to school let's just pray this morning and I, man it's just, it's, this is exciting you know and uh, <laughs> and what an evangelist does is they stir the church to be evangelistic so we had probably 200 plus people last night at the six. Um, I would say well over half came forward just because they had a burning passion to win the lost. And the, the power of God came. It was a wonderful time. But uh, amen. But, you know, that's an evangelist. A true evangelist doesn't just do an amazing job at telling people about Jesus. A true evangelist will stir the church to be evangelistic. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that God has given apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists to do what? To equip God's people for works of service. To equip, to equip, to equip, to equip God's people for works of service. When a true gift comes, an Ephesians 4 gift, not talking about somebody who is prophetic, but a prophet. Not somebody who is evangelistic, but is an evangelist. A true Ephesians 4 gift of Christ himself. When, when they come to the church... They leave a deposit of Christ himself in the, in the church. And we're not saying, I can't wait for them to come back. We're saying, I can't wait for them to go so I can leave here and go and do what they just equipped me to do. That's what, a, that's what it looks like when there's a ministry of Christ in the church. Amen? Yeah. Really exciting. Okay. Um, everybody cool? Really good. Um, number, number four. Are we on number four? Yeah. We've got to really roll, haven't we? Ah. Oh. Huh? Four? Five? Four. <coughs> Just read your paper, will you? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So what does a healthy, ready? What does a healthy leadership team look like? <laughs> what is a healthy leadership team? You know what? And some of you may not want to answer that. I really don't know. But I'm glad you're here tonight. And... I'm provoking you to think like a leader. I'm provoking something in you. We're all people of influence. Leadership is influence. But what? Maybe you've never seen a healthy leadership team. Maybe you have. Maybe you're on one. Maybe you've led one. But what does it look like? What are some of the hallmarks of a healthy leadership team? Anybody? <laughs> Other than James. Let's just say. <laughs> yes. Um, a good healthy balance between both receiving and giving. Like they were like a lot of people can wear themselves out by spreading themselves too thinly. Like we all have different gifts, and like Alison said about the body, like we all like the eye can't do what the foot can do. Like, yeah. <laughs> really, really, really good. It's so good to recognise that we don't all have one gift. You know, I was once talking to business people, and I asked them this question: What do you do if you're the most powerful person in the room? 
the truth is, Jesus is, was, and always will be the most powerful person in the room. And we can do two things. If you're the most powerful person in the room, that God has given you that power, that authority, that place of influence, you can either use that power to enhance yourself or you can use it to empower the people around you. If you have the, the heart of God and the kingdom in your heart as a leader, and this is true for all of us, then we can use our authority to advance ourselves or to empower the people around us. And what that looks like is this. We can either use our candle to light other people's candles, or we can blow out other people's candles so ours shines brighter. But the only person that has all the gift is Jesus. And he gave it to, he gave gifts unto men. And he never gave all of them to one person. So I heard once, well, I'm kind of apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. I'm like, wow, you're like, you are Jesus. That's amazing. But that's why we're a bit a body that's fitly joined together. As Alison said, God placed the body as he saw fit. The hand needs the wrist to, in order to function. And so a healthy team is a recognition of all the other parts. The greatest gift is the one that's needed at that time. <laughs> You know, I sit in sometimes in meetings, and even though I may be in charge of that meeting, there are people who are way more qualified in their area and sphere of need than I am. The best thing I can do is shut up. <laughs> Everyone say shut up. Yeah. I'd be an idiot to speak. <laughs> it's like, you guys, you know what you're talking about. So my, get my, role, my responsibility is to give weight, allow, and empower that person to speak on something that they know the most about because the greatest gift is the one that's needed at that time. Amen? Does somebody have a... Yes. Mike, sorry. I thought, who's Mike? <laughs> the, um, the only evidence, really, of a healthy leadership team is the health of the followers. It doesn't matter how good and powerful and, you know, wonderful, polished the team is. It's where, what are the followers like? Excellent. Good. All right. That's some good thought there. Good food for thought, eh? You like that? Um, number five. What causes unity? <laughs> yes. Accepting and celebrating diversity. Brilliant. Unity is the celebration of diversity. Excellent. The youth of culture is good. Really good. Accepting diversity. Unity is not uniformity. That's boring. Everybody believes exactly the same. That's unity. Jesus is coming back for a church that's unified. Everybody's going to think exactly the same. That's boring. Never going to happen. We don't have the same DNA. We don't have the same fingerprint. We don't. We, God made us so different. Unity is the celebration of diversity. Excellent, really good. <laughs> and somebody else who hasn't spoken. <laughs> pick me, pick me. <laughs> okay, re go really quick. It's not really quick. I thought you shut you down. I'm sorry, I'm not shutting you down. Yeah, yes. Being able to have open and honest discussion with each other and being able to actually just like disagree and have 
conversations with each other about it because actually if you're having that open and honest conversation you can then reach unity as opposed to disagreeing with each other behind each other's backs and then you, you're not really in unity you're just looking like you are but actually you're just disagreeing with each other and it all feels unsettled and misunderstanding is what creates distance really 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 good unity yeah you know it's been Yes, I think we we uh, we do the best at shooting our wounded. <laughs> oh, I see. I think so, but I think often it's a passive aggression. You know, it, passive aggressive is an indirect expression of of hostility. It's um, it, it, it it's hidden. So. You may be compliant on the outside, but you're standing up in defiance on the inside. It's like, and so we don't really say because of our nice English way. It's like, oh right, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> don't agree at all. <laughs> um, I think that can that can that can often happen. Um, but I think what and we need to, that disagreement is not a bad thing. Um, the key is the heart behind it. Um, I would rather win a person than an argument. So at the end of the day, what's more important, you being right or winning the person and loving the person? And I think we've all got to get better at that, better at um, of dealing with people under attack, or when you feel attacked by someone, that a soft reply turns away wrath. Um, and for, for leaders, the more, you know, the, the doorway to, to leadership is guarded by many challenges. And you have to have to have thick skin because sheep bite and often it's death by paper cut. It's not one thing, it's lots of little tiny things. And in the end, those little tiny paper cuts can cause people to bleed out. Um, and that's, but we need to know that both ways. One, not to do it, to be careful with people um, and not to hurt people, but also to guard ourselves into a place where we don't get so hurt that we just become crippled with disappointment and, and we allow bitterness to come in and, and sourness and we just become jaded. Um, I'll just say though, as, as a church here, uh, I had the great privilege of spending some time with uh, John and Carol Arnott, um, Fee and I did a, a few weeks ago, um, and spent the morning with them. And, and um, he asked after the church here, because he has a love for the church here, and he stopped, he said, I don't, he said, one thing I know about Bath City Church is it, it is the most resilient people that I've ever met from all the changes the church has been through and they're still standing and I thought come on <laughs> it's the pillars it's that because you can't unsee what you've seen and I think a prophetic people have seen something that's bigger than ourselves greater than ourselves and that's what holds us it's revelation of but I seen something and I can't unsee it yeah, I think. What was the question again? What's cause unity? Should we change gear on these next five? We're going to go a little bit deeper. Um, I'm going to go a little bit faster too. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Yeah, please." Um, but let's let's shift it just from the local church, um, and let's go a little bit deeper. Okay, ready? Number number six. What causes unity in citywide church? Lots of churches in a city, you just mentioned it. Like, it's not just our church, but the church. I think you said, I would love to see people want to go to church. 
period. Is that right? I don't want to put words in. Not necessarily just this church. Um, we're not the be-all and the end-all. We're just one. God establishes a house and he watches over a city. There's lots of houses in this city, <laughs> right? There's lots of homes. We all live in a different home. And every home has a different culture. It has different traditions. has different meal times, different numbers of kids. Different, the families are different sizes. Um, and everybody has a right to their own culture. And you're drawn to a house that you feel like, ah, I like that culture. That speaks of me. Right? So this house is a certain culture. But what, what, does it, what, what does that look like? What causes? What's the, or I'll say it like this. What are some of the hallmarks of unity of citywide church? Lisa. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, just, just for the tape, um, a, will of e- a will of each church leader to bring it together. If there's no will. Yeah. Brilliant. I, I believe that's absolutely right. I remember my 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 mum once was asked a question on a panel of what does church wide leadership um, in unity look like. One some people talk about one church in the city, and uh, she asked for the microphone. She said, "Can I answer this question?" And she said, "It's in one word. This is it: desire." <laughs> that was great. Desire. You've got to want it. If you don't want it, you will find every reason why it can't work, won't work, don't want it to work, no, 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 and you just build according to what you see. But if we have a desire for it, the will for it, that's the beginning. It's good, isn't it? We've got to want to do it. So, but I think we need to, I'm, I'm provoking you with a question. It's not, it's not, there's not just a one-word answer. But what does that look like? Oh, we're rolling now. <laughs> Um, I think it's really the honor, honoring um, the other other people of God in the city is really important. Um, again, going back to the unity question you had before, celebrating diversity and allowing that diverse, you know, that's absolutely needed because we're all different, but honoring each other and then pursuing, it has to come out of relationship and not just a, we must all be together in one place because I've done that before and it didn't really work so well but I think pursuing the relationship and honouring each other is really key Brilliant, I'll just say this make this comment and we'll I'll move on so I can get, make sure they all get out but um, I've taught this, it's been a long time since I have um, but the whole, the whole concept that came from the heart of God on tribes remember this, everyone say tribes I can do this in 60 seconds I think in Genesis, Jacob calls his 12 sons together and he prophesies over each one of them. You know what I'm talking about? And those 12 boys all became the 12 tribes of Israel. Everyone say tribes. So watch this. God prescribes tribes. He did it in Genesis. And he gave to each one of those tribe leaders, which was one of the sons, a different mandate, a different prophetic word, even their names, Levi, Gad, Manasseh, Dan, um, Simeon, Reuben, all had a different name. Their name was very prophetic, okay? So God prescribes the tribes, agreed? Right? That's Genesis. Everyone say Genesis. Skip all the way to Revelation. Everyone say Revelation. Okay, John is on the Isle of Patmos, and he looks up into heaven. Heaven opens up, and he sees into heaven, and he sees people from every 
tribe, nation, and tongue. Every tribe. So watch this. Tribes are in the beginning, Genesis. Tribes are in the end in Revelation. But not only are they in Genesis, not only are they in Revelation, but they're also in glory. So God prescribes the tribes. What we need to do is find our tribe. And we find our tribe because every tribe makes a sound. It's hard to explain sound, but there's something about sound that, that God is really on. In, Ad, in Genesis, Adam heard the sound of God walking in the cool, of the cool of the day. What does that sound like? David said, God said to David, when you hear the sound of the rustling of the balsam, in the balsam trees, you'll know it's the sound to go for war. It was the sound of the trumpet um, that brought Jericho's walls down. It was the sound of the, of, the, of the bones coming together in Ezekiel 37. It was the sound of violent rushing wind that brought, that brought about the suddenly in the early church, the Holy Spirit speaking. There's something about sound. Do you remember that You Talk 2 song, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for? Well, I was, I was on a journey for a long time. Sing it! With a, where I was looking for a sound. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew when I get there, I'll find it. It was a sound. The Bible says it like this. It's deep calling to deep. We didn't know no man after the flesh, but after the spirit. And it's like a tuning fork in your spirit that where you hear a sound, you're like, that's it. And when you meet people that are of this, your tribe, you, it's like, hey, that's my peeps. <laughs> We're speaking the same language. It's the same sound. You know, I hear people sometimes, they'll, they'll go to, to, to um, a church and they'll say, I walked in here, if I, somebody said it yesterday, I walked in here and as soon as I walked through the door, I knew I was home. How? how? You haven't seen our, our statement of beliefs, you haven't heard our core values, you don't know our vision, you haven't seen the vision statement or the mission statement, you don't know anything. But they do, because deep calls to deep. And so here's the thing. We need to know our tribe and you find your tribe by its sound. Everyone say sound. It's hard to explain sound, isn't it? It's just, you just know. Some people don't think about that way. They're like, well, I'd like to know all of these things. Here's the problem. When one tribe exalts itself against another tribe and says, we're right and you're wrong. What? Don't do it. Don't say, this church, I don't like this church because what you're doing is you're exalting yourself against another tribe because of their beliefs. Well, they believe this or they don't believe this. Don't do that. Just say, hey, you are my brother. In Joshua, it says, you're not finished until your brothers are finished. So even when one tribe had finished their mandate, now go and help the other tribe. It's really interesting. I, I know I'm not preaching on this, but it was the, the tribe of Levi that actually the name means cohesion. Isn't it interesting that we are the tribe of Levi because God didn't get rid, of, the, get rid of, the, of priests. He just made us all priests. And the Levites were the priests. And we are, we are a kingdom of priests. We're a royal priesthood, right? A holy nation. And the, that was the one that was the glue to bring them all together. So our tribe all together is, is to come together as one tribe, and that's how it will be at the end. Remember the puddles, the ducks and the puddles, quack, quack? Yeah, okay. I'm not going to start quacking tonight. We just do not have time. Another story. But, but unity in the city, I think it's really important that we find our tribe. It's important that we find our house. It's important that we find our family, and you'll know it by its sound. Once you find it, don't exalt yourself up against another tribe. Just say, hey, I just know who my peeps are. I know who my family is. I know what my mission is, and it's with these people. And if you're in another family, that's awesome. And I love what God's called you to do. And even if I don't love it, I don't agree with it. It's got nothing to do with me. That's got to do with you. 
right? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Number seven. Number six. Number seven. Number six. Number six. Number seven. No, that was number six. We're on number seven. Thank you. We're on number seven. What? Gosh, this is a big. What are the top three topics that the worldwide church faces today? Oh, that's three weeks right there. <laughs> Good question, though, isn't it? What are the top three topics that the worldwide church faces today? Okay, let's we'll do this. We're going to have one from this group, one from this group, and one from this group. Morris has already got the second one. Go ahead, Morris. Fishing outside of the aquarium, yep. Good. So, Morris, you would say that the number one top, um, hot topic that the church is facing today is evangelism. Okay. Someone from this one? Yes. I'm coming to you. Thank you. Sorry, I'm not used to speaking on the microphone. Thank you. Um, homosexuality would be one. Um, the position with Israel, two, two. and um, maybe the end days teaching. I think I've, that's pretty good. The gender issue, the gender issue, natural Israel, and spiritual Israel. Which is it, or is it both? And eschatology. We're going to have two from this group. I'm not meant to be biased, but she's my wife. The doing away or of absolutes. What's right and wrong? The doing away of absolutes. Man, we got, we've already got five, five out of the top three. Someone from this group? Authenticity and transparency. Amazing. These are some things. <laughs> Go on then, Lisa. Getting rid of the cross in teaching. I've, you know, I asked uh, uh, I would, who I would say was one of the, uh, the leaders in the, 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 the Christian church today. Um, a while ago, I, I, you, know, you know me, I'm an acronym man. I know I drive myself nuts. Um, but <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote the acronym. Because I said, that, you know, the gates of the city... If they're burnt down, gates are authority. Do you remember that message? Gates are people with authority. Lift up your heads or your gates. Lift up your heads, O people with authority. It was Nehemiah who went to the gates of Jerusalem and they'd been burnt to the ground. And that's why he wept because the walls, the authority had been taken out of the church. So I said to this person, this leader, I said, what do you believe are the main issues that the church um, is facing today? And he dialogued a bit and then he asked me. And I said, gates. G, gender issue. A, the authority of God's word. T, the truth about the cross. <laughs> Gates, G-A-T. T's in the middle, so the cross is central to everything. <laughs> e was eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end times. And S was the, the role of the spirit of God in the church. <laughs> Because the truth is, Jesus and the Father are in heaven. But he sent the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, to come and be with us always, even to the end of the age. He's a great comforter. He's our counselor. 
But watch this. In the last days, it will be the spirit and the bride that say, come, Lord Jesus. You ever thought about that for a moment? Watch this. The spirit and the bride. In other words, the spirit of God and the, ch- and the church will be so in sync with one another that together they say, come, Lord Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Woo! So G, gender, A, authority of the scriptures. You know, more and more, the question is, will, will, will culture de- determine this, or will this determine the culture? This is, this is what Fee said about absolutes. This is what it comes back to, comes down to this. I was watching a debate recently, just this week, and somebody was questioning a worldwide, recognized, renowned teacher that has a massive following was starting to question this. And he said on Oprah Winfrey, the church will continue to be more and more irrelevant if it continues to, to use a, a book that was written 2,000 years ago as its best defense. I nearly fell off my chair. If we take, say this is just all to do with the culture of that time and we pick and choose, at the end, we will only be left with a leather cover, some maps, and a concordance. This word is final. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Number eight. The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Um, what? Okay, hit number eight. This is, these are all tight. We're going, these last five are pretty deep. I'm, I'm going to really, really go fast. The, the, the last five out of ten. I know there's not another five. I can do math, you know. There's three types of people in this world, those who are good at math and those that aren't. <laughs> Number, no, <laughs> that's, I said that once and someone went, that's only two. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I know, <laughs> thanks. Um, what number one question, oh, hey, no, sorry, number eight. What are the non-negotiables of the Christian faith? We are not going to answer that tonight. But what are the non-negotiables? You can see these questions are getting deeper. <laughs> what are the non-negotiables of the Christian faith? <laughs> Come on, that's good. Um, number nine. We're going to finish on time. I'm gonna, we're going to do this by 9.15. We are. Number nine. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it kind of is, but... There's, what does that look like? Okay, number nine. What number one question do you have that you feel the Bible does not answer? <laughs> yes, yes, you do. It's true. What number one question do you have that you feel the Bible does not answer? <laughs> When is Jesus coming back? Jesus doesn't know. (laughs) Are you ready for number 10? Number 10, what, and I've asked you this before, but I just love it. What will the church look like one minute before Jesus comes back? Beautiful, radiant, pure and spot. You know, the answer to that question is so diagnostic, you can chew on it all week. Because start working backwards. And you can, you'll start to see why the question that you, you answered to the question was, 
what are, what are the, some of the challenges that we face in the world today? And you said eschatology. Well, the, this, this, when's Jesus coming back? It, if you believe that everything is just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse, and then the mothership's going to come and just take us all out, you will build a certain way. But if you believe that he's coming back for a bride that has made herself ready, that the spirit and the bride together will say, come Lord Jesus, and the house has been built fit for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and a body that is fitly joined together, functioning under the direction of the head, and a, and a vine that is fruitful, and a, an army that is drawn for battle, that is powerful, like, a, like, a, like a, an army with banners, the Bible says. That's how amazing she'll look. You will build a certain way. That's why vision is so important. So I'll leave you with that last thought. What will the church look like one minute before Jesus comes back? I'm just going to throw just in the seven minutes, I'm going to just throw some answers to some of your questions. And particularly some of the ones that have a, a theme for several people. And one of them is this, is, is, is really looking at family really looking at community, really looking at the mission of our family, evangelism, from how we respond from here to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, wait here in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and Judea to the ends of the earth. We need to, have, we need to act locally, but we need to think globally. That's one of our, our mission state, one of our core values is partnership, realizing that we're partnering with our brothers and sisters across the earth. Um, just, uh, I'll just let you know this, and we're starting to talk about this and really put this together and piece this together, but the theme for 2017 is going to be about unity in community. It's going to be about family. It's going to be about how we express ourselves as a family. Um, I love Peter's, your, your challenge, Peter, about um, uh, the, the world and outreach and the spiritual and the secular divide. If you can, study, I'll give you this some homework. Study Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2. I read it on Sunday. There's a few there in the morning on Sunday. Just a few of you. I'll just tell you, here are the two scriptures. You can look them up again. The first was Acts chapter 20, verse 21. And it's Jesus walks through the wall to where his disciples were. And he said this. As the Father sent me, so I send you. This is amazing. I, I, I haven't got time to preach this, and, but this brought me to my knees at four o'clock on Sunday morning, reading this scripture. That the reason Jesus came was to show us what the Father is like. And no one has ever seen the Father, but Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And he said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the disciples. And so here, he's, he's, he's meeting with his disciples that he's been with for three and a half years. And he's saying, I'm going somewhere where you can't go. But I want you to know that I, as, I've, as I've represented the Father, the Father sent me. Now I'm sending you. You've seen me. <laughs> Watch this. So I'm going to go to the Father, Jesus says, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he'll be with you always. Yeah. 
So then this scripture here, may God be gracious to you and bless you and make his face shine upon you, Selah, that the world may know what, you, what he is like. This right here, if you study this and chew on this a bit, will answer the whole thing about the secular and the sacred coming together. That our role in the workplace, to answer Peter's question, that if we have seen what Jesus is like, and we really study, in studying Jesus, we know what the Father is like. And if we know what the Father is like, them and we realize what a good father the first somebody prayed it his goodness his goodness he's a good father that when we look at the father and how good he is and we we start to realize how much he loves us and his face shines on us i could explain this in tongues so much better watch just just stay with me that his that if we can really know what it is for a father that our father it shines upon us which is what this is read, reading so that watch this the world will know what he's like you know children you know parents if you see a parent in in a restaurant or in a park or anywhere they're always in the fa- in the child's face going yo 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 just making all these faces but the you know they tests recently have show that children the joy is activated in the brain it's actually activated joy is activated by a father or a mother smiling and making gestures of absolute sheer pleasure as they look at their child and joy is a third of the kingdom. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So many people are joy impaired because they don't know what it truly is to have their father smile and make, and make noises at how proud he is of them with utter and sheer delight that it activates joy. So... May he be gracious. May his face shine upon us. And in doing so, the world will know what he's like. It's really simple. If we spend time loving Jesus, knowing what Jesus is like, then we find out what the Father is like. And when we find out what the Father is like, we receive his love and we allow his face to shine upon us, which activates joy happiness comes from happening joy comes from the inside and that joy will be reflected in the way we like we we live and the world will know what the father is like because of what we are like and so when we're sitting at work and we're to, we're we're being told off by our boss and we are doing our assignments there's something of the very joy of the father that is being reflected to our boss and to our neighbor and to our families and people that don't know Jesus and it's just coming out of our pores in radiant pure joy because we are representing what the father is like the reason jesus came yes was to die on the cross but it was to show us what the father is like selah <laughs> amen i'm going to finish because i've got one minute anyone got any questions for one minute uh uh, here, just on that i'll just i'll use the 60 seconds 39 out of 40 miracles jesus did were nowhere near a temple Signs and wonders, these signs will follow those who believe. We're not to follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders will follow us. And a sign always points to somebody. It points to Jesus. Signs and wonders. Sign, signs just make, want, they just make you wonder. 
Like, why gold dust? Why this? I don't know. It makes you wonder. But it, it speaks of the mystery and the, the, the magnitude of, of what God is like. Money and communication. Um, just to say, we have not really advertised this. This unfortunately went up on Sunday without us, without us spotting it. Um, but James Porter has uh, coming on um, uh, free of charge just to serve the church um, to a couple of days a week as a, um, to, to, to help um, me with communication. So he'll work strongly with Rosie in the office um, and he can just, we can just spend time together thinking and processing and working with the staff that we have um, and help with communications to the church. I agree, we need to get better at communications. Yeah, and it's not because what the people who we have right now are bad. <laughs> it's just there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on. And to do with the finances, we've had to trim down our staff. Um, uh, Hillary, who served as on staff here for many, many years, is no longer paid on staff, but she's still serving in the church because <laughs> she's amazing. Um, but with, with, with restrictions in finances, there's certain things that we just cannot do. Um, I'm not saying this, but there's a lot of people serving, and they're on, um, and they're just doing it to serve. Um, I'm not paid a salary by the church here. Um, We have to earn money in the states. I have a business. Um, Churches in the states support us to come here. We pay for all our flights. Church here doesn't pay for them. And you know what? It's it's an absolute joy. I didn't. This was never a career move. This was never um, a bit a a good gig. I knew it was going to cost us, but we're here because God sent us here. And if it costs us every penny we have, we'll do it because it's worth it because that's what life is about, serving, for, serving the Lord. And so I don't mean that with any sense of thing. But I would say as well, um, if the, uh, not, I don't know what the numbers were from last Sunday. The Sunday before, there were 600 people on Sunday in, all, in the building, 600 people in the, between the morning and the evening. Um, if as the church comes together as a family and this culture and the vision starts to straighten out and we teach properly about the principles of sowing and reaping, I, I promise you there is more than enough to meet our needs and the needs of staff and, um, and, to, and, to, and to have more than enough to give away way outside of that. And it needs to, there needs to be a change in heart. But, you know, I, I am not going to come, I, am, I will not, cannot, or ever go there to start threatening, making the church feel bad. It's, it's, I can't do it. I just, the Holy Spirit won't allow me. But I will, I'd encourage you, if everybody brings the whole tithe into the storehouse, there will be so much food in this house that we will be a breadbasket, not only to this city, but to the nations of the world. So I'll challenge you on that in a good way. A generous man will prosper. And as we do that, but in the meantime, we will, people, James, is, James never came here to come on staff. He just wants to surf. And he's, you know, uh, James and Janine have just been, you know, uh, been trained the last three years. And they're from this house, part of this house, and they just want to sew into this house. And lots of people are doing that. Um, but very few people are on staff. And um, uh, Tony was uh, on staff. He is now no longer on staff. Um, he is still uh, serving and doing stuff, but he is not on staff. Nigel and Jill, also not paid. Um, uh, either of them at all. Um, when we pick, when, just so you know, when we take people out for meals, the church doesn't pay for that. When people go out for a coffee or we say, do you want to go out for a meal? We pay for it. And I just want, I'm just, this is leadership lab, okay? I'm just going to be really honest. That's, that's the truth. Um, some people say, oh, does the church pay? Absolutely not. No, we, we, we pay for it. 
and we trust God, and God's a generous person will prosper. Someone said the other day, they said, uh, I said, I can't afford not to. We have to give. Amen? I'm saying this to encourage us. This is, I'm just, you asked the question, communication, finances. You know, we don't have the staff, but people are serving so that we can communicate. But the church is getting bigger. At some point, hearts will change, and the finances will match the number of people that are coming. Amen? Everybody okay? Everybody happy? Come on, let's stand together. I'm going to pray, because now I have gone over. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, thank you for the way that you absolutely love us. Thank you for the way you look after us. Lord, I thank you that you have called each one of us um, to a place of influence. You've called us to influence ourselves, (laughs) to lead ourselves, to lead in our families, to lead in our places of influence. But most of all, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would help us. Thank you that you're the paraclete. You're the one that comes alongside to comfort us, to counsel us, to, to lead us. And I, I ask you that even as we've heard tonight, the, the whole, if, if the, if a challenge that the church has is to make you famous and to, uh, to see this, this world of people that you love so much evangelize, I ask you that you would help us in our hunger and pursuit of you to seek not just your hand but your face, that in doing so we would feel your smile upon us, that your sheer delight that you have as a father towards your kids, that it would actually not only activate joy in us, but it would actually cause our faces to shine with your glory, which is your nature, which is your goodness, your slowness to anger, your very nature, and that it would exude through each one of us individually and corporately so that the world will know what you are like.